Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey, and welcome to the Lucky 10,000. This is Evan. I'm Carissa. And we are the podcast that proves anyone can be a geek about anything. We're also the podcast that is now part of the Tangent Bound Podcast Networks and the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network, along with, of course, the Bearded Ones Podcast Network, BeardedPodsNetwork.com. Woohoo! And Stitcher. And Stitcher, of course. Well, Stitcher's where you listen to us, but um, we do want to give a big thank you to both Tangent Bound and Musings of a Geek for adding us to their list of awesome shows. The Geekitude uh, orgy continues. It's blowing up. The oral orgy. Oral. 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 <laughs> now I just sounded like a pirate. Oral. Oral. <laughs> so um, I don't want you guys out there in the listening audience to panic. No, the Lucky 10,000 has not jumped the shark yet. We have not run out of ideas of things to talk about because the geek world is so fluid and large. But on an earlier episode, when we did our episode about horror movies, we did mention that there are certain things in podcasts when you do a general large topic you can expand upon. Yeah. So today's episode is going to be about my passion for those creatures of the undead. The zombies. What? (laughs) What did you say? I was guessing vampires. Oh, well, actually, you know what? Kind of. And we'll get to that. Okay. But um, I have been a zombie fan probably ever since, honestly, seeing Thriller, which I think we've talked about before. Yeah. And what a great influence that was. And everybody from our generation saw Thriller and loved Thriller. I don't know. I don't care what your musical background is. I don't care what you say you're into. You loved Thriller. Well, hell yeah, you did. It was like the best music video ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you were just eh, with the song, you saw the video and went, okay, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was like a nine and a half minute movie. Yeah, with a yeah. Michael Jackson song in there somewhere. Yes, and a good song. I mean, Hell honestly, yeah. it's, just, it's it's Thriller. Well, like Dave Chappelle said he made Thriller. Yeah, Thriller. So yeah. that I remember seeing as a kid and not being that creeped out by it. Although at the time I was creeped out by everything. I just knew somehow there was something in there that attracted me. Why people have an attraction to zombies, I don't know. But when I, when I tend to like something, I get obsessive about it, which is why we're both geeks. Right. We do the same thing. Uh, for you, it's Pokemon Snap and the Music Man. For me, it's zombies. It has been in the past, Pokemon Snap and the Music Man. I'm just giving you shit. And, and for a while there, I didn't consider a zombie movie a good zombie movie unless the zombies came out of the ground. That's why the first time I saw Night of the Living Dead, I was a little disappointed. Just a hair. But I didn't. I was too young to appreciate the art and craft of that movie. As I grew a little much more mature, I appreciated it. But we talked Romero to death. Right. What? Ha, ha, ha. Pardon the pun. <laughs> what I would like to do is talk about the genre as a whole. And I have picked a handful of what I think, if you know nothing about the zombie genre, are the movies that you need to see. Okay. Because the problem is the zombie genre, one of the reasons, I'm only going to mention Night of the Living Dead one more time, that they decided to film it even and decided to make it about zombies is that it's easy to film. Just get a group of friends together, slap some makeup on them, go out into a field, 
and have them walk around like cadavers. Right. Unfortunately, if you're a talented filmmaker, you can make that work. The problem with the zombie genre is that uh, just slapping some makeup on your buddies and filming them walking around a field is not exactly art. Right. And so I think of all genres, probably the two that have the most bullshit associated with them as far as just low-quality movies, zombies, and probably slasher movies. Okay. Because they're just easy to make. And I have seen some awful ones. I don't, I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I used to have uh, on-demand cable TV before I decided I don't need cable TV at all. all right. And uh, it had that on-demand movie section, and every once in a while they would have a movie you'd never heard of. And a lot of times these were independent films made by filmmakers that just never had theatrical releases. But every once in a while, somebody must have sucked somebody off because they got their little piece of shit $5 movie on the on-demand list. Right. Because I knew people that made better movies than some of these, and no one was seeing them. But it was around the time that World War Z was being filmed. So that concept was really, really big in the zeitgeist. Okay. I wish Excellent I could... word usage, by the way. Thank you. I uh, can't remember what the name of the movie was, and I wish I could so that you don't have to see it ever. Because the other thing about it, the effects are reasonably easy, especially if the outbreak has just occurred. You don't have to worry about too many mangled effects. You know, you shoot them in the head. That's one of the rules established by Romero. So, you know, it's pretty easy if you got a decent makeup person to do the whole fishing line thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, you know... Someone shoots towards the camera and then you cut to someone as a zombie with makeup on their forehead and somebody with a fishing line pulls the makeup off. There's a blood capsule underneath. Oh, he's been shot in the head. Yeah. When you can't get that right, you got a problem. Sure. And I like the fact that these people at least tried to make it cerebral, but this movie looked like it was made on a budget of $10.15. Okay. And it started off after the apocalypse, way after the apocalypse, where humanity is now split into camps. There's not many people left, and the survivors have militarized themselves. And now we, they, tr- I give them credit for trying something different. Okay. But the idea behind the movie was that zombies had a rudimentary intelligence enough to understand that humans were their food, and that if the population of the planet dwindled because they ate them all, they would have no more food. Because the plot of this movie was that one of the militarized humans gets caught by the zombies. And he knows, because he's been dealing with them for a long time, that he can't speak. Because in this world, and keep in mind, these are the slow, dumb zombies. Okay. It's not like they made them act more intelligent. (laughs) I'm going to have a hard time saying this. These zombies raised humans for breeding purposes. As livestock? As livestock. Okay. Uh, What you see is one of those slow, shambling, old-school zombies that can't talk, leading a line of women who are all connected with a rope at the neck towards the zombie farm. Mm -hmm. Again, no attempt made to give the zombies a language, you know, make them seem like they would be smart enough to figure this out. Uh, Make it seem like they knew how to raise babies, because it's not the easiest thing in the world to keep a baby alive if you don't know what you're doing. No. Jesse Joyce has a really great bit about how easy babies are to kill. Yeah, it's true. Babies and monkey babies. Human babies and monkey babies are like the most helpless things on the planet. They're super easy to kill. Very. Trust me. So he realizes that if he talks, they're going to know he's a human that wasn't raised by zombies because he's learned language and they would eat him. Okay. So he accompanies this line of women back to their farm. (laughs) 
This sounds like a really weird horror porn crossover. It kind of is going that direction, isn't it? Okay. Um, it's not, unfortunately. If it was, I could totally justify its existence. They have a stable that they've converted to house humans for breeding purposes, and they toss him into one of these stables with one of the women who doesn't speak. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry, and then one of the zombies shambles up to the cage that they're in and throws them a bushel of carrots. Why is he throwing them a bushel of carrots? Because as the camera pans back, you see zombies in the fields with hoes farming their carrots. To feed to their livestock humans? feed to their livestock humans. So they're agrarian zombies. They are absolutely agrarian zombies that still can say no more than, They actually even had a leader zombie that was shouting directions at one point to the other zombies by going, And the other zombies would, oh, oh, and then shamble off. Huh. All this to say, the zombie genre has a terrible track record in general. And it would have it would have been an okay idea had the movie not looked so cheap, the acting been so bad. They tried to use CG for the bullet wounds to the head. Why you would spend that much time, I have no idea. Because one thing you have to keep into account when you put a CG bullet wound on someone's head is their head might move. So the hole should move with it. Um, yeah. And just the idea that if you're going to do that with zombies, you gotta, you, you gotta bump up the IQ just a little because there is no, there is no way the slow, dumb zombies that we're all accustomed to would figure all this out. No, I mean, like there could definitely be a case made, I think, for, um, zombies gaining at least some manner of self-awareness. Absolutely. And I, I don't know, evolving, I suppose it to the slightly smarter, maybe a little faster, Sorts of zombies that yes. could develop an agrarian society where they yes. could farm and ranch humans. Yes, but not these zombies. Right. Not at all. I mean, Land of the Dead, which was actually the fourth in the Romero series, does show the zombies sort of evolving and figuring some things out, but only in the most basic way. It's not like they were all of a sudden, hey, guys, let's let's go tubing. You know, <laughs> that did not happen. So, you know, this is just in most at, at least they tried with the concept. Most of the shit zombie movies I'm talking about, of which there are many, are just the standard, we're trapped in a barn, or right. we're trapped in a house, and we got to shoot them in the head, and whatever. So I would like to go through a list of, to me, the best and most influential zombie movies to me, and why I love them. And keep in mind, I am old school. I am not jumping on the current zombie bandwagon. This sure. was when I was 13, I started watching all these zombie Excuse me, watching all these zombie movies, and I'm 38 now. So anyone that's like, oh, they're just jumping on the zombie corpse wagon. No, <laughs> I've, I've loved them for a long time and was thrilled to see them come back. The only problem with that is that with popularity comes burnout and, again, a lot of crap. Sure. Okay. So, so yes, I have a movies. list of what I think are the essentials. Okay. Um, and then some honorable mentions. You will not be completely left out of this conversation because I have included some movies that I know you have seen and love. And we'll start with one of those. This is in no certain order. This is not a, a list of, 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 of worst to best. This is just simply as I thought of them, I wrote them down. Okay. But we'll start with one that I think we talked about before, but it accidentally got edited out or something. I don't know. Either way... Uh, any fans of British humor know uh, that it is very particular. Any fans of horror comedies know that it is almost impossible to pull it off in any equal measure. 
which is why, for many reasons, Shaun of the Dead is not only one of the best zombie movies, just simply one of the best movies I have seen in a very long time. It it's is very still, well crafted. And it was based on a very short segment on uh, Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, and Nick Frost's show Spaced. If you've never seen Spaced and you like British humor, you have problems. Go see Spaced. Spaced is great. It's, it's a great fantastic. show. It's a wonderful show. And this was back in the days of PlayStation and Resident Evil. In one of their episodes, Simon Pegg had a very quick uh, dream sequence where he was playing Resident Evil on the original PlayStation and was attacked by zombies. Now, all these guys are hardcore Romero fans and hardcore horror fans. So they decided when they were done with Spaced to get a budget and make... A love letter to zombie movies, but also a comedy about a couple of losers dealing with the zombie apocalypse. And that's how we get Shaun of the Dead. Carissa, your feelings on Shaun of the Dead. It's a very well-crafted movie. It's quite entertaining, very much in Simon Pegg's wheelhouse. Very much so, but also gets the zombies right as far as the Romero canon is concerned. That's to be expected. I mean... Granted, we expect a lot from several filmmakers that we don't see deliver. Absolutely. But, I mean, Simon Pegg is a fan. He wasn't making it because he right. was going to make money on it. But this was also really their first movie. So when you look at it in that context, it could have been a disaster. It could have been. How many times have you seen people go from TV to movies and completely lose sight of what a movie is, what the story structure should be, making it still fresh and new? Not to mention taking such a well-worn genre and doing something unique with it. Oh, a lot. But again, as a passion project, it had a lot going for it in terms of success. Absolutely. So, you know, the basic plot, if you don't know in Shaun of the Dead, is that Simon Pegg, whom we all adore, plays uh, Shaun, who is just sort of a down-in-the-dumps loser, and his friend Ed, who then have to deal with the zombie apocalypse at the same time that Sean is being dumped by his girlfriend, who is adorable. <laughs> anyway, and for the first half of it, it really is just, you know, the way real people, real schlubs would react to the zombie outbreak. They don't really know what to do. They don't even realize it's going on at first. There are so many red flags and alerts. And the other thing that Shaun of the Dead gets so right that a lot of zombie movies don't, and the thing I love to see in a good zombie movie, if you're starting from the beginning of the zombie apocalypse, is that slow build. You know, the slow, things are getting bad. Right. Th bad things are happening. Here's a hint. There's a great moment when he's on his way to work and he's in a, a, a bus and he passes an old, what looks like an old homeless man who looks like he's just being mean to a bunch of doves. But something about it is just strange enough that it catches his attention. And obviously we know it's probably the, one of the first zombies, but he doesn't. But there's something really weird and creepy about it, mm -hmm. which is so effective because at that point it is a full-on comedy. And then all of a sudden this little creepy thing happens. Spoilers, by the way, for Shaun of the Dead, when he discovers his roommate in the shower. It's a funny scene, but it's also kind of creepy. How they're able to balance those two things in that movie are pretty spectacular. And then when everything goes to hell, as it always has to in a zombie movie, you've grown to love the characters so much that I think other comedies, when they tried to turn on sort of the dramatic part, you know, like when he has to shoot his mother and all that, it wouldn't work. Right. But in that movie, you really felt for Sean. You had sort of already fallen in love with his mother. And watching him having to take her down is a very difficult thing. Well, just... I mean, Simon Pegg, that's something at least that I've always really liked about Simon Pegg is that he is incredibly funny. Yes. He just has kind of a natural kind yes. of comedic feel to him, 
but he's also very authentic about that and yes. kind of authentically British. So right. not kind of authentically British. He's authentically British. Right. And the combination of the just general authenticity of person, of character, and the fact that he is authentically British come together with how funny he is to just like you can totally see that that would happen in that way. Absolutely. And it's it's dramatic and it's impactful, but it's also still a comedy because it's right. Simon Pegg. And right. he's just funny. Like, it's almost like your real life would go if you were slightly funnier than you are. Yes. What are you saying? I'm not funny? You, I'm the general you. I know. Uh, one, if one was funnier than one is. Thank you. But that's the other thing, too, is I think the way the reason the movie pulls it off is because the humor is grounded. Had it been completely wacky, over the top unrealistic humor because we've seen those comedies when they have to have the sentimental thing at the end and it doesn't work because they've been showing you basically a cartoon character for an hour and a half that you have no true attachment to you're just like oh that's the goofy whatever and now they're going to try and make us feel for that person well it doesn't work right but even ed who is the closest to a broadly comic character is real enough to where like yeah i know guys like that and at first, the zombie apocalypse wouldn't be that scary, and you'd think you could deal with it, because that's the big bitch about the slow zombies, is that they're really easy to take care of. One at a time. One at a time. Right. You know, he can run all the way through a field full of them to get to his girlfriend's apartment and then get all four people back into the car and no one gets hurt. The problem comes when they're everywhere. And that's the great thing about the slow-moving zombies, which are the ones I prefer, is that it's that slow build-up. It's that slow dread. It's that slow, well, this is a handleable situation. When did this become not a handleable situation? Right. <laughs> and a lot of those movies get that completely wrong from the get-go. Because if you don't have the build, you're not going to earn the payoff. And the payoff in Shaun of the Dead is great. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense why they didn't stay in his girlfriend's apartment, which as soon as I saw them, I was like, that's probably the safest place because it's it's upstairs. There's one small metal door that the zombies can't break through. Instead, they go to a bar with go lots Winchester of windows. Go to the Winchester and have a pint and wait for it all to blow over. They go to a bar with plenty of ways the zombies can get in. So you could you do kind of go, eh. You know, Sean, this isn't a good idea. <laughs> but you go with it, and it's wonderful. Right. Essential zombie viewing, essential comedic viewing, essential good movie viewing, Sean of the Dead. Now we go to something that I think is a little more tailored for the true horror fan, a movie I saw very early in my horror movie-loving career that is, yes, a zombie movie. That would be Reanimator. Okay. How much do we know about Reanimator? Well, you know quite a bit about it. Based, I think, loosely on H.P. Lovecraft's a Herbert West reanimator. Yes. Starring the wonderful Jeffrey Combs. It is, again, horror comedy, but much more of the broad, I don't even want to say broad, but off-kilter sense. There's a lot of quirk in it, but not like friend's quirk. You know, there's no Phoebes in reanimator. Right. There's just some weird characters doing some weird things, and when it gets crazy, it gets batshit crazy, but never stops being a good, entertaining, gory, horrifying horror movie. Famously known for a scene in which a woman has a headless man go down on her. That's the big money shot in the reanimator. Okay. And the basic plot is that uh, Herbert West is a student at a medical college who is experimenting with a serum to revive people once they're dead. And as with all scientific, mad scientist experimentation goes, it gets out of hand. But not really until the final reel of the film. It's not the zombie movie in the sense that there's zombies everywhere and that there are people holed up in a house. It's 
It's about science, and it's about how science can go wrong, and it's a love story at the same time because the real hero of the movie is Herbert West's roommate, dorm mate in college, who has a girlfriend, and her father is the guy that runs the the medical lab, and he gets wind of what Herbert West is doing and decides to steal the solution for himself. Herbert West retaliates by cutting his head off with a shovel. Right. But since he hadn't had a real successful test on a human being yet just out of curiosity he wonders if he can bring him back and he does and the guy then knocks him out kidnaps his roommate's girlfriend oh she's not his daughter sorry and then takes her back to the lab the morgue where all the cadavers are injects all the cadavers with the serum and then that's when it becomes a full-on zombie movie but only in the last like 10 or 15 minutes do you see like a real oh my god they're everywhere these are zombies but that's okay because what that movie proves is you can do things with a zombie genre that are out of the norm, and as long as the characters are entertaining, the the story is involving, it's just a fun movie. So it's not a traditional zombie movie in that sense, but it's so worth it. And now we go to a more slightly traditional zombie movie, and so far all of these are some forms of zombie comedies. This is what you would call the American answer to Shaun of the Dead, which is Zombieland. Now, yes. it's not as good as Shaun of the Dead. That's debatable. It is debatable because it's a different tone. It unfortunately sort of got compared very much to Shaun of the Dead because it is a zombie comedy about schlubby loser characters who are trying to handle the apocalypse in their own way. But it's such a different... It's not like they wrote the movie to be another Shaun of the Dead. No. But it is kind of looked at as the American answer. This is, you know, Shaun of the Dead is what the Brits would do in this situation. Zombieland is what the Yanks would do in this situation. It is. It has a much more American flavor to it. I agree. Absolutely. And the comedy is much more broad. However, I haven't loved Woody Harrelson as much since Natural Born Killers as when I watched Zombieland. I actually think that I agree with you on that. <laughs> and, you know, Woody Harrelson sometimes for me is a little hit or mess. But he's awesome in Zombieland. Yeah, he's actually he's truly great in it. And everybody's great in it. Obviously, the lead character is the last person you would ever expect to survive a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, but alone. he is the complete target demographic for that type of movie. Absolutely. And how he survives makes a lot of sense. He's already sort of a misanthropic loner. He never had good social skills to begin with. So he has no problem being on his own. And he comes up with his own book of rules on what not to do in a zombie apocalypse, and it's kept him alive. Well, and they're he's all a nerd. pretty good rules. He's a nerd. He yes. just reasoned that shit out. He's thought it out. He has sat there with his graphics calculator and said, okay, a group of zombies is going down one road at 250 miles an hour. I'm coming down another. And if I come up with these rules, we shall never meet. And I'm not going to give them all away, but... You know, these are rules. My favorite are things like cardio, where every morning he exercises to keep his cardio up so that yeah. he can, and these are the fast moving zombies, by the way. Yeah. But he can outrun them as long as there are only a couple of them. Well, even if he can't necessarily outrun run them, he can he is a better predation predator than they are. Yes. Because he's still actually human. So they can yeah. run really fast, but they can't like leap over cars, Dukes right. of Hazard style and shit. Right. He can. He can parkour a little bit. They can't. Yes. Exactly. And they're still, they're not smart. They're zombies. Right. So they'll just run wherever you lead them. And I like about it, too, that they name themselves after their home states. You know, characters' names like Oklahoma, because they all meet in different parts of the, the country. And uh, he meets Woody Harrelson's character, who is just this redneck badass, who, again, seems completely content with the fact that the world has gone to shit. 
Um, yeah. They run into two ladies, Emma Stone and her sister, uh, get conned by them a couple of times and then eventually team up. The lead has to deal with his burgeoning feelings for Emma Stone, who's very attractive in the film, and how he's always been awkward with women. But, you know, he's got a shot now because there just aren't that many options. Yeah, it's the whole last man on Earth. Absolutely. Big spoilers for this movie. One of the best celebrity cameos in any movie ever in the history of mankind. Eh. I loved it. I loved it. Everybody but me apparently did. I know. Like, the scene is fine, and everybody does a great job, but, like, great. It it seemed more like they put it in there just to have it in there. Oh, there was no reason for it. There was absolutely no reason for it. Like, look, everybody, we put Bill Murray in some zombie makeup. (laughs) Fucking, really? You know what? If the movie around it is entertaining enough, I can go with that, because it is a very funny scene. It's another case of when you love a movie and when you love characters, even when they do the most illogical things, you can go, you know what? I'm going to go with it because the climax of that movie is the most ill-advised, unrealistic climax I have ever seen. Yeah. When two characters decide to go to an amusement park all by themselves because that's where they said they were going to go and basically alert every zombie in the tri-state area that they are at this amusement park alone. Yep. And the heroes have to go save them in an amusement park swamped by zombies. But you know what? I was totally willing to go with it because the movie made me love it already. Yeah, I think that's why I didn't like the Bill Murray part because you could have removed it wholesale from the movie and it would have changed nothing at all about the character motivations. Absolutely could. And I just don't – I don't approve of that generally. I don't approve of it generally either. But because it worked for me as well as it did, I went, you know, okay, I'll go with it. Either way, Zombieland, very fun movie. Highly recommended by both yes, of them. I also recommend Zombieland, and I don't like horror movies. Right. Like, it's really very, very good. And right. the Bill Murray part's funny. Don't let me, like, naysay it completely out of being enjoyable. It's right. funny. It's just totally unnecessary. You know, I realized by looking at this list, I've got a lot of zombie comedies on here. Well, you're a funny dude. Well, thank you. I didn't even notice how many of these are zombies. So let's stray away from the zombie comedies for a minute and go to a movie that is actually a debatable whether it is actually a zombie movie or not, but gets the feel of a zombie movie so right it doesn't matter and that would be 28 days later uh have you ever seen 28 days later i can't i've seen the really super effective creepy beginning Mm -hmm. because i love cillian murphy i think he's he's outstanding and and this was really his introduction to american audiences yeah well it's a great movie the beginning with the streets of london yes is not only very compelling and effective but just beautifully shot and yes. acted for having no dialogue at all it's quite amazing i can't watch the rest of it because it's all jump scary and i don't do yeah. that well that's uh, but i did it, see the beginning because people were like no you have to fucking see how awesome it is so i, I watched that part well, it is awesome, but then the movie does go to more brutality than creep factor. Yeah. Because what has happened is that humanity has suffered a disease, an outbreak, that doesn't kill them. That's why it's not technically a zombie movie. It just makes people into these rage-filled, makes people into monsters, basically. Yeah. Rage zombies. Mindless monsters. So it is not technically a zombie movie because they're not dead, but it gets all the stuff right that you would want to see in a zombie movie. Yeah. The camera work is so good when usually right before one of these quote-unquote zombies attacks, you get their POV just for a second because these are the fast-running, faster-than-zombie-land because they're all pretty much fresh and still alive. Right. Brutal. I mean, these things waste no time. And the other cool thing about that movie is you always have the trope in a zombie movie of, I've been bitten, oh no, 
I'm going to turn in a day or two if I die. Because here's the thing. The rule that was established wasn't necessarily that a bite makes you a zombie. The rule that was established in Night of the Living Dead, I know I said I wouldn't say it again, but I have to, <laughs> is that these are dead things. There is something in the air that's turning everybody that has recently died into zombies. If you get bitten by a zombie, it's not that that bite gives you some disease or makes you contagious with a zombie virus. It's that there's so much infection in these things' mouths mm -hmm. that the infection will kill you. But then whatever's in the air that's turning people into zombies will make you come back. So if you die in a George Romero movie, uh, for any reason, you will come back as a zombie because there's just something in the air. They can't figure out what it is. Right. What has happened is a lot of people have taken that and run with it and saying, well, the bite's the only thing that turns you into a zombie. And in 28 Days Later, it's just this virus that if you are bit, if you get a spot of blood in your bloodstream, the tiniest drop, you have 20 seconds before you are this rage-filled beast. Mm -hmm. So there's no debate. There's no people standing around going, what do we do? We should wait till he turns. The lead female character in the movie, who is just an awesome character and has survived this plague for longer than Killian Murphy has even known what's going on, when she sees her best friend get anywhere close to one of these things, she doesn't hesitate. She takes a machete to his head because you have to. And it is mm -hmm. such a brutal visceral stripped down way of telling this story that every peaceful moment in the movie you're going oh this is not good this is not going to last it really does frazzle your nerves in the best possible way now i've heard a lot of people complain about the last third where they meet some military guys and the military guys turn out to be your typical military assholes that the humanity's the real villain well yes i wasn't that bothered by it um, because we still got sort of the zombie break-in that we wanted, and the bad guys got theirs, and spoilers, the heroes survive, which was nice to see, because another trope of zombie movies is that usually they're very downer movies. <laughs> Not a lot of hope in many of them. Right. But with this one, you know, our heroes make it, and you're happy that they do. And them sort of getting together and forging this bond doesn't even feel forced, because wouldn't you? You're with yeah. a reasonably attractive person. The world is ending all around you. You're like, I'm at least going to make out before I die. So, you know, I bought it. And, you know, Brendan Gleeson's in it, and he's great. Who doesn't love Brendan Gleeson? It's a great movie. The suspenseful scenes that are in it aren't overplayed. They're just perfect. You know, there's a scene when their car breaks down in a tunnel and rats start swarming all over them. And the first thing they think is, where the fuck do these rats come from? And then the second thing they think is, that's like a thousand rats running in the opposite direction. And that's when you start to realize this tunnel is full of these rage monsters and they're all coming at them. Mm -hmm. And they have to get the car started before they get there. It's a great scene. It is okay. a great scene. So little things like that just add up to make a wonderful whole. The sequel, I'm not going to go into too many details, but it's very good, which is such a rarity. On yes. the lines of good sequels, now we continue to one of my personal favorite movies ever. Again, sort of debatable if it's a zombie movie or not, but Evil Dead 2. I don't who, really think that's debatable. Who doesn't love Evil Dead 2? If you don't love Evil Dead 2, I don't want to know you. <laughs> Given to me when I was in middle school, I had no idea what the Evil Dead was. I was just told by a cool mom in the neighborhood who had rented the movie, hey, you should watch this. You know, I've got a day and a half left on the rental. You can have it. Just make sure to get it back on time. I must have watched that movie five times. It has everything. And technically, it's not a zombie movie because they're demon-possessed. That's the only reason it's debatable. These are demon-possessed people. But if they get killed, the demons can bring their bodies back. 
Right. So technically, it's a zombie movie yep. once you get to that point. Full of some of the best ingenious camera work. It is truly a horror comedy. I think Sam Raimi, the director, must all bow down to him real quick, uh, said that his inspiration was to make The Three Stooges, but a horror movie. He didn't quite make that, but it's <laughs> well, funnier in its own way. He kind of does, because poor Bruce Campbell is Larry Moe and Curly throughout the first half of the film, when yeah. it's literally just him in a cabin. And whenever Sam Raimi makes a movie, especially if Bruce Campbell is in, it, in a prominent role at all, the money he will get from the studio, the script he will write, the casting he will do around Bruce Campbell, it is all an excuse to find every way he can to beat the shit out of Bruce Campbell. Yeah. There's a story from the first Evil Dead when Bruce Campbell actually hurt his leg, really hurt his leg, and his friend Sam Raimi started kicking him in the hurt leg just for laughs. He's a masochist, and he loves staging things so that Bruce Campbell will have to do them and hurt himself. Do you mean a sadist? Yes, sadist, sorry. Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of great physical comedy in the movie. There's a lot of great effects. There's a lot of great gore. And there are some genuinely creepy moments. When Bruce yeah. Campbell's girlfriend comes out of the grave for the first time and does a ballet dance with her severed head, I remember seeing that for the first time and going, ooh, that's creepy. It's kind of funny, too, but it is creepy. The demons themselves, when someone is possessed, it's a great effect. Sam Raimi knows how to make a kinetic, frantic scene work beautifully. Yeah, he definitely does. And, you know, the entire section when Bruce Campbell's hand gets possessed, where it actually doesn't make any sense to what the rest of the rules of this universe that have been established, because you kind of got the feeling if you were hurt or bitten anywhere by one of these things, you would just turn. But for some reason in this case, it's just his hand. Again, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. Just like all these other movies, just like Bill Murray's cameo, I don't give a shit that it doesn't make sense because what results, it's so fun Yeah. that you can't – he is fighting his own hand and it's just a long shot of Bruce Campbell bashing himself over the head with dishes, flipping himself over the floor, dragging himself across broken glass. This is where you start to see the Ash character truly evolve into the Ash character because in the first Evil Dead, he was just Ash, just a dude. Yep. And in the second Evil Dead, he started doing those wonderful catchphrases that everyone's come to love him for. And as much as I do love Army of Darkness, I just feel like Evil Dead 2 did everything that that series was meant to do better than the other movies. I do truly love Army of Darkness, but there's no question in my mind, to me, which is the best of the series. I think Army of Darkness did several things better. I think the pacing in Army of Darkness is better. Okay. Um, the actual cinematography is better quality. But oh, that's well, they definitely had a bigger budget to work with, and you can tell. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's just, that's and objectively Ash better. Like full on Ash by that point. Yeah. You know, Bruce Campbell had aged some and filled out quite a bit and gotten more comfortable in his own yes. skin and in that character. Yes. And I don't know. It just, some of the comedy hits hit harder in Army of Darkness than they oh, did sure. in Evil Dead 2. There's some great bits in that movie. I mean, Klaatu, Barata, and then, you know, for some reason, while all these skeletons are coming out of the ground, they choose to do a Three Stooges routine with Bruce Campbell's face. No reason. There's no reason these skeletons would do that except to just fuck with him. Yep. And because Sam Raimi was like, how do we make a scene that's going to hurt Bruce Campbell? But to me, my heart will always be with Evil Dead 2 because, A, Evil Dead 2 is more of a horror movie. Yeah, and, and that's really, to me, that's where the line draw is drawn between which you prefer, perhaps, is whether or not you like the funny, right. quotable, light-hearted version or the well, now, slightly light-hearted but more... He does say groovy. More horror. He does say groovy in Evil Dead 2. 
Well, I didn't say it wasn't quotable. It's just that <laughs> Army of Darkness leans toward the more quotable, lighthearted. That's true. With some horror in it. Yes. And Evil the, Dead 2 is more horror with biggest, some lighthearted moments. To me, the biggest true Evil Dead horror moment in Army of Darkness was when he's fighting the witch in the pit. That is an Evil Dead moment. After that, it becomes a sort of expanded universe Evil Dead, where sure. you're seeing creatures that you never did before, you get evil Bruce Campbell, all that stuff's great. But for my money, Evil Dead 2 wins, hands down. But that's not to say that the other movies aren't worth watching, although you don't have to necessarily see Evil Dead 1 to enjoy Evil Dead 2, because they're basically the same movie. Uh, yeah. but, but I Evil would Dead 2 is better and funnier. Uh, yes, I will agree with that. However, Evil Dead 1 is very good, just... More of a straightforward horror movie. Uh, now let's go to one of the things that almost never works is remakes. Almost never works. But when you get a remake as good as the Dawn of the Dead remake, which is my favorite movie ever, the original Dawn of the Dead, so I was not expecting much. Maybe it was good that my expectations were lowered. I don't know. But this is certainly not in the realm of horror comedy. It does not have the satirical bent that the original Dawn of the Dead did. So I still prefer the original Dawn of the Dead. But I was so impressed by the Dawn of the Dead remake. Again, you've got the fast zombies. They are zombies. But the basic plot is the same. Survivors in a mall. But that movie managed to be scary. You know, the first 10 minutes pull you in so hardcore. Have you seen the, the Dawn of the Dead remake? Nope. I would, there were moments in that movie I was actually disturbed by. Okay. And a lot of it doesn't even have to do with, oh, this section was gory. It was the music that Zack Snyder chose. And I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. I am really not, except for Sucker Punch. Other than that, I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. But it's one of his best movies, and it really made you think that this filmmaker was going to be sort of a legendary filmmaker. Because nobody wanted a Dawn of the Dead remake, and then everybody walked away from that going, fuck, that was good. And the first ten minutes are so intense, but the people are real and relatable. The chaos, when it starts, it feels like you're right in the middle of it. The characters are all, you know, every time you think, oh, here comes a stereotypical bad guy, it spins on you a little bit. And they're not what you thought they were. And the climax is really genuinely exciting. Although, again, if you're safe and secure in this mall, why take a chance to leave? They all have their issues like that. There's always that question of, well, what, what do you just feel claustrophobic? Well, eventually mall? your supplies will run out. But they weren't even close to the supplies running out. They just felt, I don't know, stagnant, stale. They decided they just wanted to go out into the city teeming with zombies and take a chance on getting a boat to an island that may or may not be there. Just not the smartest thing to do. Yeah. I would absolutely 100% stay in that mall. But they chose to leave, and it was very exciting. Um, There are a couple of characters that are stereotypical assholes that do get their comeuppance. But for the most part, you cared about the characters, the main characters anyway. There were some unexpected things. Had a huge downer ending that you would only know if you stayed through the credits. It's just such a well-done movie. So entertaining. I highly recommend it. Okay. Now let's go against some more horror comedy. And if you're a fan of Peter Jackson and The Lord of the Rings, you might not know that he has made some of the disgusting, most disgusting movies ever made by man. And I mean that in the most affectionate way possible. He <laughs> As has, only you could. Thank you. He has made one of the only movies that I can think of that once I hit my late teens, early 20s, I, I almost had to vomit watching. Okay. It was called Meet the Feebles. It was an adult version of the Muppets, as if the Muppets were really alive. I mean, it wasn't Kermit and Miss Piggy, obviously, but it was sort of an, their own New Zealand Muppet show type thing where, the, where you know, once the show was over, the puppets were living, breathing 
characters. Mm-hmm. Um, they were led by a rabbit who was, uh, let's just say, uh, a bit of a lech. Uh, he really loved him some puppet groupies. Um, their manager was a walrus who dealt drugs. Uh, there was a reporter flying around getting gossip on all the celebrities who was a fly who you often found eating shit while he was talking to you. Um, it is one of the oddest movies and there's a part at the end when the rabbit character gets just about every STD known to man at once and is riddled with boils that halfway through the show start to explode. And the color saturation of it made me want to vomit. Okay. That leads to one of the goriest movies ever made, which is Dead Alive. A very wacky, Raimi-esque take on zombies. Uh, again, very much a horror comedy, but a very broad horror comedy. There is no part of this movie where Peter Jackson expects you to feel sorry for the characters. There's no sentiment at all. It's just, let's think of as many disgusting things we can do as humanly possible with the zombie genre. And it ends in a zombie party in which the lead character has had enough, yanks out his push mower, house full of zombies, pulls up the ripcord to the push mower, holds it in front of him with the blade sticking out, and just walks through the zombie party. Okay. And you see it in all this wonderful, grisly detail. Hailed as one of the most gory movies of all time. Okay. In a a funny way. Essential, dead alive, go see it. Do not get the sanitized R-rated version. If it's the R-rated version, it's not the real thing. Okay. I'm going to stick with the horror comedies for these last two, and then I will do some honorable mentions. Slither. James Gunn, I think, he used to work for Ain't It Cool News, and then he said, fuck it, I am going to get married to the cute chick off the American office and then make my own movie that is a love letter to 80s horror movies while pushing the whole genre forward. Okie dokie. You ever seen Slither? Uh, no. I so highly recommend it. For the pure fact that the lead is Nathan Fillion, that should at least pique your interest in all his uh, There are like bugs in it, right? Glory. Uh, they're slugs. Hmm. Yeah, Basically, horror movie plus bugs. Not doing that at all, ever. Not ever. Mm-mm. Well, bugs aren't slugs. Slugs are not insects. No, they're not insects. That's why I called it a bug. Okay, yeah, but you know how people think of bug when they hear it. But it is basically, the basic plot is a ripoff of, not an homage, to another zombie movie from the 80s called Night of the Creeps, in which you were attacked by an alien slug that got into your body and turned you into a zombie. Wrapped itself around your cerebral cortex, you died, and you come back as a zombie. Um, But this took that concept so incredibly far out there it's it's all these it's body horror uh michael rooker known as henry portrait of a serial killer at this point this was before his stint on the walking dead elizabeth Mm -hmm. banks who i definitely have a huge crush on she is his wife uh michael rooker's character's wife grant grant is his name his first name is grant his last name is grant and he again is at first you think just the stereotypical redneck obnoxious douche He and his wife are having problems because she is much younger than he is, and she's starting to rethink their marriage because he is kind of an obnoxious dill hole. But he gets the opportunity to cheat on her after she refuses sex, and he doesn't because he truly loves his wife, and he wants to make it work. This, however, is right before he gets a spear from a meteor that fell from space into his chest, 
in another homage to another classic horror movie, The Blob, successfully, my, I might add, remade in the 80s. The remake of that one is actually pretty good, too. And that turns him into, it basically possesses his body and his mind. And he is now an alien in this man's body. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And he starts buying tons and tons of raw meat at the grocery store and taking it home, doing something mysterious down in the basement. But his wife still wants to work things out with him, too. And they, the grant-grant part of the alien is still in love with her. So all of a sudden, it becomes this weird uh, lost love story. But he starts to change, you know, like the fly, and become just a mess of a, of a thing, of a beast all practical effects, by the way. There's almost no CG in the movie, or if there is, it's very well hidden CG. Okay. He impregnates uh, a different woman with his seed, which is the slugs. She turns into just basically a giant pill bug or a giant bloated tick with the head of a woman, eventually explodes, and all the slugs escape her body and then proceed to climb into the mouths of anyone they can find. That person instantly becomes a zombie whose sole goal is to kill and eat or enslave you. So the whole town turns into zombies. The interesting thing is they all have Grant Grant's brain. So when he wants to talk, they all talk for him. Okay. Which is weirdly funny and creepy at the same time. And by the climax, he is this this huge monstrous thing with tentacles that all these zombies are coming back to to rejoin his body, much like Brian Usna's society. And... He's still in love with Elizabeth Banks. So all these zombies are trying to kill Nathan Fillion, who has a crush on her and has always had a crush on her, and bring her back to him so they can be together and in love. And it's wildly funny. It's absolutely 100% entertaining from start to finish. It is very gory. And it has some sentiment in that you do kind of want Elizabeth Banks and Nathan Fillion to get together, but there's nothing over-sentimental in it at all. At one point, Nathan Fillion fights a zombie deer. That's all you need to know. Okay. It's hilarious. It's so well done. Highly, highly, highly recommended. And now, if I could choose a second favorite to the George Romero series, it would have to be, and I do think this is probably number one on my list, while the rest of these didn't really have a number, Return of the Living Dead, which is only loosely connected to the George Romero universe. Have you seen it? I have. Oh, I love it so much. As far as zombie movies go, other than the original Dawn of the Dead, it is the zombie movie I have seen the most. It is the zombie movie I can still watch any day of the week. And it is truly the first zombie movie that I can think of that does introduce the running, talking zombies. That was not a new thing. This was 84, I think, 85, Mm -hmm. maybe 86. But it is inspired by Night of the Living Dead. Basically, I think one of the producers of the original Night of the Living Dead tried to do a sequel, and they came back and said, no, you don't have the rights. So what do you do? You change the plot. In this world, Night of the Living Dead was a real movie. In this world. Based loosely on a military experiment that brought people back from the dead, but those people were zombies who sought out people's brains. Yeah. This is also the first time that anyone ever wrote a movie where zombies went after people's brains. And again, it's dark, it's creepy, it's gleefully funny, it's pretty well acted all the way through, the special effects are great, it is so entertaining from beginning to end, and you get to see a very young Linnea Quigley naked for almost the entire movie. I can't say enough good things about it. I absolutely 100% love it. It has to be part of your collection if you have a zombie movie collection. It has to be there, as far as I am concerned. You have seen it. Let's get your take on it. I can't say much more about it than you did, honestly. Like, but it's okay to disagree, yay or nay, on your part. No, I think it's great. Again, horror and zombie movies not really my thing, but 
as far as that genre of yeah film goes it's incredibly well done also a great soundtrack yes it does it's have a great all soundtrack. these fantastic punk songs on it the main theme of the song is awesome spawned a sequel which i remember loving when i was a kid and went back to and watched as an adult and while it has its fun moments it veered way more towards the comedy kind of left the horror in the background the zombies became very goofy at one point there is a thriller zombie so it kind of lost me because the strength of the original return of the living dead is that again it's not a broad comedy it is what you would think it is it is believable as far as what people would do in this situation sure and not all their decisions are well thought out not all their just almost none of their decisions pan out and then goes towards this dark nihilistic ending that you're just that you just don't see coming i remember specifically the ending of that movie really affecting me because nothing spoilers works out for anyone well no (laughs) and also hints to a much bigger problem that they should have exploited in the sequel but didn't probably for budgetary reasons so return of the living dead Highly, highly recommended. If you can only see one zombie movie after the Romero zombie movies, you can stop after Land of the Dead, though, because they get really shitty after that. (laughs) Um, It would have to be Return of the Living Dead because it's different, too. And it does have zombies coming out of the ground. And it does have it is a different world than it doesn't follow the Romero rules. It it makes its own. It's funny when it needs to be, but also like really creepy and just just see it. Just see it. Return of the Living Dead. I mean, Thumbs take up. it into account that it was released in 1985 or somewhere close to 1985. Right. So take it for the, the time period. Absolutely. But because they went so practical, and that was the thing in the 80s, was that this was when people really started discovering what latex makeup can do to where a lot of the effects in a lot of those 80s movies still hold up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's only it's not even that dated because the characters are so antisocial. They're not trying to adopt to any trends. They're punks and they look the way punks would look at any other time in the history of punk music. So it's kind of like it does definitely have an 80s vibe, but there was no one walking around with, you know, a members only jacket on. Well, I mean, it's dated in the same way that, say, Labyrinth is dated. Right. Like Labyrinth doesn't take place in the real world at all. So there's no. not really any like common references that you would have to be like, oh, that's so old. But it's clearly right. an 80s movie. Other than the soundtrack. And so, there's one character that's a very 80s sort of mall girl character. But other than that, the people that aren't the punks just dress like people. It's not so entrenched in the 80s except for the music, which, you know, I think punk music is kind of timeless anyway. So yeah, it's not like they were playing Duran Duran the whole time. It's not like you heard nothing but synthesizers. So I think it does hold up. I think the acting almost all the way around the board is pretty strong and likable. Again, likable characters stuck in an unbelievable situation. Fuck you. Pay me. Wait, no. Yeah, I got that wrong. Take my money. I I don't care. (laughs) I I love it. It's one of the it's one of the best. So those are my top 10. You need to have these in your collection if you're going to be a zombie movie aficionado. And those are all decently well-known movies. And just to um, make it slightly nerdy, because, you know, I like to nerd shit up. Absolutely. Uh, Zombies are actually, I have seen probably more zombie movies than any other type of specific horror genre movies. so many. Not just because there are so many, but because zombies are like the one kind of creature sort of genre that I don't actually have any credulous belief in. Right. Like, I don't believe in vampires or mummies right. or ghosts or whatever, but I also don't not believe in them. Right. I don't believe in zombies. 
And this is something that has always tickled me a little bit because zombies are the only thing that have an actual observable phenomena in modern human behavior. Because Haitian zombies are a thing. Absolutely. Serpent in the rainbow, man. Terrifying. That occurs. That's an observable fact. And I find zombies the least credible of any of the creatures. Well, it is because of the way that they are handled. I mean, let's be honest. Although the weird thing is, I think we talked about this before, I can watch a serial killer movie any day of the week and not be afraid of it. When I was younger, the movies that scared me were zombie movies and ghost movies. To this day, if a zombie movie is done a certain way, it can give me a chill. If a ghost movie is done really well, it'll scare the shit out of me. Nothing else really scares me. The stuff that really could happen doesn't really scare me like so i've i've been interested in the zombie thing in general because i have i don't buy it even though it is the only thing that has any sort of plausibility at all sure but we say Uh, plausibility very loosely (laughs) well yeah absolutely because of course like haitian zombies are not they're not dead they're not romero zombies they're not frankenstein's monster they're they're not they're not truly dead either they're just no not Pretty really. fucking close. <laughs> they're they're not undead. They're pre-dead. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're mostly dead. They're mostly dead. So I, I like the fact that there is that kind of, I don't know, cognitive dissonance in me. Mm-hmm. So I like to read about interesting like folklore about risen undead and yes. where undead kind of came from. And uh, Frankenstein was actually one of the very first. Oh, absolutely. Not only monster Zombie, but true zombie, a mostly true zombie, reanimated dead flesh, true zombie in the way that we think of them now, like post Romero, on on a completely technical level. Yeah, absolutely. Frankenstein is absolutely Frankenstein monster is absolutely one hundred percent a zombie. Yes, he is simply reanimated dead flesh. And so you know, Mary Shelley wrote that with a lot of liberties taken on Eastern European folklore. Science in general. <laughs> and science in general. And just the combination of the two. And of course, science and the supernatural have, since we've had science, have been a really interesting combination for yes. creators and writers who can Absolutely. actually come up with interesting things for those two things to do when they meet and try to figure out which would win and why one would be better than the other in any given situation. It, it comes up with a lot of interesting stuff. And I think and, that's where the zombie mythos that we have now, starting from obviously from Shelley and going up through Romero and right. then, you know, into Shaun of the Dead. Right. Is that there is kind of a balance. Oh, and like 28 Days Later, that sort of rage zombie yes. concept. Danny Boyle. The where does science, how much does science do to make our zombies or how much supernaturalness is a zombie? Right. And the mix of those things in their little creative chemistry set can come up with some really interesting concepts oh, absolutely. to explore and about like how human was... behavior affects what we see as what comes next right. or what comes now. And I think, too, there's definitely – I mean, there was. it's not like there was no precedent for what Mary Shelley was talking about. There were people who believed – that a certain amount of electricity, because of muscle reflexes, there. I right. remember reading a story about a guy who would uh, use cadavers, usually cadavers of of criminals, in uh, basically shows where he claimed he could bring them back to life with electricity. And so I think people thought he would, you know, he would plug electricity, he would shoot a body full of electricity, and its eyes would open, and its arms and legs would twitch, and everyone would go, oh, but as soon as he took the electricity away, it would just go back to being a cadaver. So I think there was an idea that enough of a charge could possibly wake something up all the way. They just didn't realize it was simply pure muscle reflex. Right. 
So there was a little bit of a precedent for it. And, you know, you look at something like 28 Days Later, which honestly, of all the movies we talked about, is by far the most plausible because it is simply a rampant disease. Yeah, the virus zombies are the ones that are the most plausible and I think in their own way the scariest. Oh, yeah. Simply because of their plausibility. Well, you know, 28 Days Later definitely gave me a couple of jumps. I remember seeing it in the theater. There are great. There are some other great, really creepy moments that stay with you. Dawn of the Dead, for as much of its satire, the original, really creeped me out. And it is, you know, one of the less plausible zombie movies, especially there's always that thing where you have to explain with the old slow-moving zombies, how do these things even take over the world? Because they're going up against SWAT teams with tanks and machine guns, and you can take them down relatively easily. It's just the sheer number. You know, there's a great line in the original Dawn of the Dead where they're raiding a building at the beginning. The SWAT team is going in, and it's... uh, it's uh, a Hispanic building, uh, mostly, kind of in the projects where they believe that, you know, uh, that there is still some respect in death. So they don't just want people to take their dead from them and burn their bodies. They want to give them proper burials and send their spirits off and everything. And so they've hoarded these bodies downstairs who have now all come back as zombies and are getting out. And uh, in the middle of all this, two of the lead characters run into this old black man who's a priest and I don't even I don't think he was an actor. I think they just found him and he was a one legged priest. He was this old craggly man that just looked great. And he's walking out of the room because he's trying to find his sister and at the last second he turns around and he says to the to them, When the dead walk, senores, we must stop the killing or we lose the war. And I always thought that was a pretty neat line. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea, I think. Also what they represent, you know, a lot of zombie movies, especially modern zombie movies, are really just representative of disease itself and how yeah how we should respond to a chaotic, world-threatening situation and what happens if we don't respond correctly. Uh, Which gets me into my honorable mentions because I know a few people have crapped on World War Z the movie because it had nothing to do with the book. Right. But it's not a bad movie. And the idea behind that movie is the zombies represent disease. Did you ever see a contagion? Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie will fuck you up. But it's kind of the same concept. This is a world possibly destroying epidemic, and the zombies in that movie, I really like the way they acted with that hive mind. And did you see World War Z? No, uh, I heard about it after the fact. I hope you heard positive, because I, it wasn't nearly as bad as I expected it to be. I heard about it from people who'd read the book first. Well, okay, their opinions then are tainted, but on its own, they just shouldn't have called it World War Z. On its own, it is a good movie, and what I liked about it was the way people responded and was the way the zombies acted, where they were really truly one collective mind. They were a virus whose sole idea was to procreate, was to spread, and... It was really interesting to see how, as a hive, they they acted. And I enjoyed that aspect of the movie very much. So, honorable mention goes to World War Z. Uh, Another honorable mention, just for fucked up-itude, Fulci's, Lucio Fulci's zombie, which is called Zombie in America, called Zombie 2 in Italy. Because when Dawn of the Dead came out, the original, uh, it was a huge hit in Italy. They love their zombies, and they love their gore. But it was called Zombie in Italy. So in order to make a sequel that wasn't Day of the Dead, which was another great zombie movie that Romero made, Lucio Fulci made a movie called Zombie 2, which was his own written and directed sequel to Dawn of the Dead. But since Dawn of the Dead had come out in America and already had a sequel, when Zombie 2 came to America, it was simply called Zombie. Okay. (laughs) Very confusing, I know. 
but it is the it has some moments. It is that standards. You know, I remember seeing it the first time, not being that impressed. It's I've grown to respect it more since then, but it is still very of its time. The budget wasn't great. There is dubbing that is not good. It's that old. Like they are obviously speaking English, but for some reason, their what they're saying can never quite sync up with their lips. Okay. Um, but it has some of the most agonizing. Like they went full on gore in those movies, and if you're a gore hound, you've seen zombie, and you also have seen the moment where a woman's face gets pulled by a zombie towards a window that has just been shattered, and a huge splinter of the frame of the window sticking out, and it impales her eye in the slowest, most agonizing moment you will ever see. Yeah, I'm out. Yeah. I can't um, do that. That's no. not okay with me. It also does have the only time I've ever seen a zombie fighting a real shark underwater. They put a stuntman in a zombie costume, stuck him in the water, a shark came up, he wrestled the shark, and then they used fake blood to show what looked like him biting the shark. Okie dokie. Pretty amazing. Honorable mention, zombie, or in Italy, zombie 2. Um, Wreck, if you would like a claustrophobic found footage zombie adventure, I highly recommend Wreck. It is simply the story of a Spanish news team that is just on a human interest story spending the night at a firehouse when they get a call to an apartment building that's an emergency and the zombie outbreak has begun in this apartment building and they get shut in by the military. Okay. It's very well done. Has a very heart-pounding ending. The uh, the remake, the American remake, pretty much is a shot-by-shot and is still pretty effective. So, again, highly recommended. Must be in your collection. Okay. Uh, the Last Man on Earth. And I only say this. We're getting into the last couple of honorable mentions here, and none of them are true zombie movies but have some awesome zombie moments. As I said earlier, we were talking about vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, the Last Man on Earth was the actual first film version of... I Am Legend. I Am Legend. Very good. Starring the immortal Vincent Price. And as everyone knows, the big thing about I Am Legend is that the the one human left on Earth has to board up his house every night to protect himself from the legions of undead that in all the film versions have been portrayed in so many different ways. But these are vampires. Uh, or in the Omega Man, just fucked up people. Or in the Will Smith I Am Legend, something? Yeah, they're Not like real sure what they are. <laughs> rage zombie pirates. Yeah, rage yeah. vampires. They're CG age vampire zombies. Yeah. And I don't hate that movie, but that kind of lost me with those things because they look so cartoonish. Although all the vocals in that movie were done by one person. Okay. All the vocals for those creatures were done by Mr. Mike Patton, lead singer of Faith No More. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, he's amazing. Interesting. He's a wonderful guy. He's amazing. A wonderful guy, like I know him. He's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, we hang out. Oh, yeah. I'll call he up Mike. my kid every once in a while. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> she, she, she's never the same when she goes to bed after she's hung out with old Mike. But he does all these vocal albums on the side where it's there's no instruments at all. It's just him recording his voice doing different things layered over each other. And it's he's pretty amazing. Anyway, so he does all the vocals for those creatures. Nice little tidbit there. But Last Man on Earth was actually a direct influence to Night of the Living Dead. So we may not have had the Romero canon that affected every zombie movie afterwards if it weren't for The Last Man on Earth. Mm -hmm. Because in the scenes when he has boarded himself up, it is a black and white movie. And you do see the undead sort of vampire people come and try to break the boards down. And you can't help but see Night of the Living Dead in Last Man on Earth. Sure. So, honorable mention, 
Last Man on Earth. I love that uh, your top 10 movies has like uh, 20 movies on it. <laughs> these are honorable mentions. I'm not spending as much time on them. I'll go quick on these last few. Burial Ground, just for one of the most fucked up things you'll ever see. A zombie son biting his mother's nipple off. Okay. Check it out. Frank Langella's Dracula from the 70s. When Lucy, when they go underneath to Lucy's tomb to find her because now they realize she is a vampire and behead her. Whereas in the classic scene from Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula, uh, she comes in. It's really creepy. She's got the baby and she drops the baby and she's got the blood. It is one of the most effective zombie moments in Frank Langella's Dracula because they're underground and here she comes in all her vampiric, freshly dead glory. I consider it a great zombie moment. Check Even it out. Even though it's a vampire movie? Even though it's a vampire movie. Okay. Just like Stakeland is a vampire movie, but also a zombie movie because it is that post-apocalyptic, the vampires are kind of zombified and it kind of takes the same tropes as zombie movies, but they're vampires. Okay. And just a, a couple more. Cemetery Man, Go check it out. It's an old Rupert Everett movie, which is uh, European, so it's bizarre, but a lot of fun. And finally, one that I found by accident that I've watched a couple of times on Netflix called Berlin Undead. Kind of the old standard, hey, we're trapped in an apartment building with a zombie apocalypse, but does some great things with the zombies. Some really creepy moments of, it is sort of the rage-filled zombies, but they are actually dead. But there's some great moments where it does do all those things that a movie, a zombie movie has to do, um, but it does them well. Characters are believable. What they do, for the most part, pretty believable. What was that slightly recent horror movie with Alan Tudyk? Dale and Ernst oh, go to uh, camp or whatever? Uh, D- Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, I that one. Seen it. I, um, I started it because I really like Alan Tudyk. Yeah. And I heard it was great. I got like 15 minutes into it, and it was already too scary for me. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I have to watch it then. I thought it was like, just a straight-up comedy. Uh, it appears to be a straight-up comedy horror, like heavy on the trope. Yeah. But tropes work on me, which is why I don't watch horror movies. So right. I stopped watching. Is it zombies? I don't know. I didn't get far enough. Oh, okay. Into it. <laughs> By the end of the first credit sequence, you're like, I'm out. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, kind music, of. By the time you yeah. see your first redneck, you're like, nope, can't do it. I mean, the exposition was both funny and compelling for a horror movie. Excellent. But and quick, which I prefer. Mm-hmm. And then once it was like clear that we were turning from exposition to movie, I was already like really <laughs> and, like, go. It was midday. All the lights are on. Like I just couldn't. I was like, mm, like I'm out. I'm sorry. Shots of you and, uh, and your friends on the couch. And then it flips back to the TV and then it cuts back to you and your friends on the couch and it cuts back to the TV. Then it cuts back to your friends on the couch and a cloud in the form of your body yeah. hovering in the air. It's like smoke bomb. Pew! <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I have to check it out then. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Just a couple more real quick. Uh, <laughs> just no, These are very, very fast. Dead Before Dawn, I highly recommend it. It's a horror comedy. It has Jeffrey Combs in it, another one that I just sort of stumbled upon and really enjoyed. Also, um, if you want a really good horror comedy that satirizes but at the same time gets the tropes right and has zombies in it, you could call them zombies, Cabin in the Woods, I can't recommend highly enough. There you go. Any of you Your that have top ever top 10 had... list of 24 movies. Yes, exactly. Well, the top 10 and then honorable mentions. Yes, so the top 10 list of 24 movies. No, it's top 10 plus honorable mentions. Because <laughs> I didn't have the others listed. They were just grouped down at the bottom. So there is something that I would also like to add, which isn't about movies and is about zombies. Go for it. 
There is a thing, I don't know if you're aware of it, called Zombie Squad. Yes. Their tagline is, they make dead things deader. Right. Um, they're, I love their little kind of about page. Zombie Squad is the world's preeminent non-stationary cadaver suppression task force. <laughs> I've got a couple friends that are involved in Zombie Squad, and it's really pretty cool. But basically, at this point, it's not as much a joke. Right. Of course, all the nerds that I know have a zombie preparedness plan. The uh, uh, zombie survival guide? There is that, but we don't have it. Like, we have our own. Oh, oh, you mean a personal zombie. Yeah, we all have, We like, my group, my collective group of nerd friends have our particular preparedness plan. I do, too. Nerds at large have their zombie preparedness plans. Like, we all know what's going to happen. You need to have two, actually. I think everyone needs to have two, for this reason alone. You've got to have a plan for the slow-moving zombies, but you have to have a different plan if they're the fast-moving kind. Yes, I totally agree. Thank you. So Zombie Squad has that. They have their, you know, non-stationary cadaver suppression task, task force, but they actually have branched out and they're doing a lot of like charity work for uh, disaster relief and they do yeah. like seminars and stuff. Like, Didn't the CDC meetings? last year come out with Zombie Survival Guide? Uh, a yes. real, honestly, official one, but they were yes. really just referring to chaos or disease yes i mean to the epidemic or the like you actually need to get away from everyone ever right sort of plan yes they did and it was actually pretty good so zombie squad is i think they're worldwide at this point and they do a lot of disaster relief charity work and they you know volunteer for firearm safety and other Which educational is so cool. tools. I mean, it is a really cool way of embracing a part of geek culture that has become very big in pop culture and saying, we can have some fun with this, but there's a fucking good reason we're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, like, it's actually something that I kind of recommend that even if you don't, like, get involved directly. Sure. Like, if you're not super interested in, you know, passing your concealed handgun license test or whatever. Right. Uh, so you don't want to go to their shooting events Right. But to go through them to donate to charity because they're actually like a vetted, Very earnest cool. charity donation place and they will do good stuff with the money that you would give them. Very cool. Unlike other shady ones. Right. Uh, or, you know, they might be giving seminars in your local area for first aid or, you know, whatever. So it's something I would recommend everybody look up there at zombiehunters.org. Excellent. Well, and the, the interesting thing to me about the obsession with zombies is that it has translated into so many more things these days with people doing zombie runs, Yep. Uh, which I had some friends do and said it was so much fun. There is a live theater experience in England now, which is sort of a horror house, but it's also a play where you as a group of people are taken through a zombie apocalypse by soldiers in a converted warehouse. And they're actors, and they have actual scenes of dialogue in the middle of all this where you feel like you're watching a play. Then you find yourself right in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Cool. Uh, It's very cool. Different things like uh, the movie American Zombie, which just took a completely documentary documentary, documentary feel to uh, and made it a comedy uh, about what it would be like to be a fully aware zombie. You weren't like a flesh eater per se. You were just a person who happened to be dead but still had all your faculties, which was, you know, a parody of really sort of a satire of any sort of organized movement. I have a book that I'm looking at right here called A Zombie's Guide to the Holiday. which was given to me as a stocking stuffer. It's very cute. It's basically a how-to to to eat people at Christmas. 
Um, oh, good. Like a recipe book and stuff? No, just different. Uh, I'll, I'm looking at the page right now. It's, it's a tiny little book, but it's just so much fun. Uh, stressed out of their brains. Know the signs. Here's a brief holiday primer on three common types of distracted mortals. Type. Withdrawn. Characteristics. Engrossed in handheld electronic devices. <laughs> Zombie approach. Full frontal embrace. Type. Hyperactive. Characteristics. Rapid eye movement. Flailing arms. Running to catch a train. Zombie approach. Rear advance. Dazed. Confused. Characteristics, vacant, staring at department store window displays, zombie approach, zombie free choice. (laughs) It's very cute, and it's a lot of fun. So, I mean, in a way, the genre has gotten sort of cute and cuddly, which is so odd. You know, they had a zombie commercial for a cell phone company last year where a zombie was there to get a phone, and he wasn't trying to eat anyone. He was just there to get a phone and completely lucid although was decaying it has become it's become that every everything that large pop culture movements become it was underground at first it was a cult thing only certain people were into it now everyone's into it and it has turned sort of soft and cuddly yeah uh, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. Uh, sure. I love my zombies guide to the holidays. You know, I do think that there are still things that are created that can mine the zombie genre for sheer thrills and fear. 30 days of night, the graphic novel and the movie it was basically as another zombie movie. They were just vampires. <laughs> you know? right. it's, it, it really has encompassed so many things. There's so many books now about zombies. I've read some great short stories about zombies. People are making some pretty interesting YouTube uh, self-made movies about zombies, Marvel zombies. Once Mar- once your Marvel superheroes all turn into zombies, you know something has hit and hit big. You've made it, baby. Zombies have made it. You guys, you, you kept pushing, you kept trucking, you, you just wanted to be in the limelight, and here you are. Welcome to Hollywood, zombies. <laughs> Not very many brains there, but you know. No, that's true. But a lot of non-kosher things. <laughs> Was that racist? Probably. All right, cool. Well, on that note, I think we have said enough about zombies, but we certainly haven't said all we could say about zombies. But I would like to thank you guys for listening to us talk about zombies for an hour and a half. (laughs) So I would just like, again, to thank Tangent Bound Podcasts and Musings of a Geek for having us. Also, please don't forget to rate and review us on Stitcher. And iTunes. And and iTunes. That's right. We are at iTunes now. And if you uh, do listen to us, you know, any of these networks would be great to help support them. You can also listen straight through the Bearded Pods Network and check out the other shows, the Bearded Ones and Teddy and the Baseman. Absolutely. All those things are awesome. Is there any final note you have, Carissa? Don't eat my brains. Uh, it's okay. I'm more of a flesh. Okay. Preferer. So get your tasty flesh over here. Let me put my lips all on it. Uh, I'm going to go with no. Yeah. You live in Texas. That's true. It's a big com- It's a long commute. It, it is a very long commute. what would surely be a disappointment. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it every week. We hope you've liked it. We hope too many of you have not tuned out after our geek things we're not into episode. <laughs> and at this point, you know, if this wasn't one of the backlogged episodes, we may have been also reading angry emails. But since right. we're not, we're going to assume that you all loved it. I mean, we're very lovable. We are pretty fucking lovable. I especially. Yes. I would like to take a minute and, do, and say that. I mean, it's not, it's, not, it's not egotism. It's honesty. Sure. Absolutely. So thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. And I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky underscore 10k. And 
visit our podcast network site at beardedpodsnetwork.com.